the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 40 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman broadcasting from my office in San Jose in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose, if you're familiar with that. I'm going to be using using my usual format today uh, for um, for my show, which is covering questions and comments from around the state of California. I'm going to be uh, basically what I do is I get a bunch of different questions that come to me through various ways and situations that people have that involve estate planning sometimes. They drift over into family law a little bit, in which case I always give a caveat before answering that I am not a family lawyer. And um, what I, I do know something about family law and how it overlaps with estate planning, but I don't know all the details about family law. So I always urge people, take what I say about family law matters with a huge salt shaker full of salt because it's not really my specialty in the law. Now, uh, let me dive right in with um, dive right in with the first question of the day. Here's out of La Habra, California. Someone says we're in California. Well, I kind of expected that. My brother's named as executor for my father's will and is a beneficiary of the will. He is creating my father's will and asked his wife's sister and husband, his in-laws, to witness the will. Can my brother be refused his inheritance by the court, or is there a problem with the witnesses he chose for my father's will? Well, those are two questions. First of all, uh, the witnesses uh, in California, let's kind of back up a bit. Witnesses to a will, you can have one witness to a will, who is a beneficiary under the will, Um, typically a a close relative of some kind. Uh, The other one has to be a a complete non-beneficiary of the will. In this case, um, the, the brother's wife's sister and husband are not heirs, natural heirs at all of the father. Uh, Only the brother is, and his in-laws are not natural heirs of his either, so they can act as witnesses. Given the circumstances, though, 
Um, when I see someone saying, my brother is creating my father's will, that raises a question in my mind, what does that really mean? Does that mean my brother took me to an attorney, took uh, dad to an attorney, <clears throat> and uh, sat down and the attorney talked with dad, and then the attorney drafted a will for dad to sign? Or does it literally mean the brother is using some online service or some book from Barnes & Noble or something along those lines and is creating a will for the father. I would caution against any relative creating an estate planning document of any kind for someone because it can always raise the question in my mind, and I'm sure in maybe the minds of many of you out there, that there may be some kind of undue influence going on um, in the situation, meaning that the the brother is exercising some kind of control or inducing the father to do something, um, do something maybe that the father wouldn't otherwise do if he wasn't being influenced. So um, that would be my caution here is that on the surface, it's a, it smells a little bit funny. It could be perfectly fine, but um, given the circumstances and the brother creating the father's will, naming himself as executor, says he is a beneficiary. Presumably that means he's only getting an equivalent share to any other children of the father. Uh, but then having his wife, sister, and and husband, his sister and brother-in-law acting as witnesses, it may just be expedient, but probably not a great idea. It doesn't mean that there's necessarily anything wrong, but on the surface of it, I would inquire further um, myself as an attorney as to the circumstances, and uh, I would think that the father should have whatever he did reviewed with legal counsel to make sure that is in fact what he wanted and what he intended. That would be my concern about that situation. Okay. So, in 2012, set of Los Angeles, I was sent to the Los Angeles County Registrar Clerk to file a living trust and paid them. Okay, I'm not sure why someone would go to the registrar's office or maybe the recorder's office and file somebody's living trust. You generally do not file a living trust anywhere unless you are going to court and you're trying to uh, gather assets into the trust, like a Hegstat petition, or you're trying to modify the trust under probate code section 15403 or 15409 or both, or you're looking for some kind of instructions for the trust. Uh, what does the distribution section mean? What does this power mean? Uh, as trustee, do I have the authority to do X, Y, and Z? Uh, appointing a successor trustee because there's no successor trustee that's able or willing to serve uh, that was named. Maybe they're all deceased, they're all incapacitated, they've resigned or they declined to serve. When you take all those things together, 
then you might actually be filing a copy of a trust in the court system, not with the registrar or recorder or the clerk. But the point of this is the person said, after cleaning the house and looking for the binder that had the trust in it, I couldn't find it. I need to know if, let's see, I need to know if I should go to the county office again, what forms I need to deal with all eight homes left to me, and I need to pay income tax on the income coming from that. Well, that may very well be the case. If you cannot find a copy of the father's trust, that's a problem. Um, because if you go to try and deal with anything owned by the trust, especially real estate, real estate at some point you're going to have to share a copy of that trust with the county assessor um, because they're going to want to see if you're transferring property out of the trust that you're entitled to receive that property. Um, so that's one of the issues right there that I see right off the bat. Um, you might want to see... Uh, this is why um, I always have people keep the originals. I always keep scanned copies of everything because I want to make sure that if someone misplaces the trust, we do have an electronic copy that could be printed out and used in place of the signed original because it would still be just as valid if we used a signed copy. But that's kind of a situation they, they're facing there and I wish the best of luck in actually locating that trust document. So we're coming up on the first break of our show today. When we come back after the break, I will continue with more Plan Your Estate Radio questions and comments from around the state of California. This is attorney Bob Bergman from San Jose. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back to the second segment of the show today. I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. And here is one out of Palm Desert, California. It's a pretty straightforward one. Um person's asking, or actually the couple's asking, can you please tell me how to set up a revocable inter vivos trust for our properties? We own real estate in our personal names, would like to transfer them into a trust and name ourselves trustees. Well, all they have to do is contact my office through my website at lawbob.com, book a consultation, uh, talk with me, engage my services, and then let me do the planning for them. I can, I could even do that for people in Palm Desert, California. Uh, as a California attorney, I can assist people with estate planning from anywhere in the state of California, not just in my own city here or my own county or even uh, just adjacent counties. Uh, I do have clients as far away as Solano County and Monterey County from San Jose. Um, I have a couple of clients out in the Central Valley, clients up in San Francisco. So uh, I can assist people in this modern era when we have uh, the ability to do 
Zoom meetings and have overnight delivery services, uh, USPS and FedEx and UPS and, and all of those, it's possible to actually do planning uh, remotely now with uh, planning documents delivered to you electronically and uh, and then uh, with instructions on how to get everything signed so that uh, so that uh, you actually have everything you need and have a plan in place. And that's pretty much it. Pretty much it. So in this in this question, the person said, I contacted our CPA to do this. He seemed to not know how to. My guess is that something like a real estate attorney would handle this. No, not your CPA, not your family lawyer, not your real estate attorney and estate planning attorney such as myself. Okay, now here's an interesting one out of Fresno that raises a lot of legal issues and might very well uh, end up with somebody in trouble with the court. Person says, my sister is trustee of my mother's trust. I just learned that she loaned money out of the trust to my brother for a car at 1% interest. He tells me that she's also loaned money to non-family members as well. I want to know if what she's doing is legal, and if not, what I should do next. Let's start first by the very beginning of this. The sister is the trustee of the mother's trust. Now, we don't know if mom's still alive or is no longer alive, but let's assume mom's still alive. The sister has no business loaning mom's money to anybody at any interest rate because that money is needed to take care of mom. She can invest it. Uh, she can invest it in stocks or bonds or mutual funds or CDs in the bank if she wants to have it not be at, at very much risk, not much return, but not much risk. But loaning money to a sibling so he can buy a car and having 1% interest, I would question, was that loan actually memorialized? Is there a promissory note where the brother agrees to make the payments? When are the payments due? When is the balance due? Is it secured? Is there any security for that? Was the security interest taken back on the car? So that if the brother doesn't pay, the sister could actually have the car repossessed and sold to pay mom's trust back? And let's say, what if mom is deceased and the sister is now handling mom's estate uh, through the trust? No business loaning money to um, a child of the deceased person, especially at 1% interest. 1% interest is not a market rate of interest for any kind of a personal loan. Personal loan interest rate would be significantly higher than 1%. And then if money's being loaned to non-family members, I would ask the whole round of questions again. Is there a promissory note? Is it signed? What's the rate of interest? What are the repayment terms? Is there any security backing up that loan being made? I mean, if you were to loan money to someone who owned a house 
and you took back a promissory note secured by a deed of trust on the house. So if you were not paid, you could foreclose on the house. That would be one thing. But I get the sense that none of that happened here. And the sister's just deciding, gee, I'm the trustee in charge. I can do whatever I want with mom's money. And you know what? Not really true. So what this sister is doing might very well be not legal at all. If mom's still alive, it might be considered financial abuse. If mom is elderly, financial abuse of an elder, that is not that is actionable under the law. That actually can lead to a criminal conviction. If someone is found to have financially abused a senior, it seems to me taking money of someone if she's a senior and loaning it to the senior's son at 1% interest, probably with no security at all, that's financial abuse. Because what if mom needed that money for her own medical care or a nursing home or other unforeseen expenses? If it's gone, it's gone. And that's a real problem. So I would assert that in a case like this, it's probable that the sister is acting without any proper authority. And uh, and because of that, it is very likely that um, if the brother went to court about this, the brother might very well be able to uh, to have the sister removed as the trustee of the mother's trust because she is not acting in the best interest of the mother as the trustee. So that's what I have to say about that. Okay, let's, let me look here. Let me check and see what the time is here. Um, I have to get my clock back up. There we go. Yeah, okay. We got about a minute to go with this segment. So I'll just tell you that uh, for the second half of the show today, I will be continuing on with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Um, I'll also let you know that if you would like to call in to the show and ask me a question on the air, you can do that. You could call 800-516-1220. That's 800 516 1220. My engineer is standing by if you'd like to call in and ask me a question live on the air on this Friday afternoon in May. Talk with you for the second half of the show. This is Attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with Attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to start the second half of the show today. And let's take uh, something out of Brentwood, California. Okay, can I contest my stepdad's trust, even though my mother is still alive? My half-brother was left everything, and my sister and I were left out but they didn't put our names in the trust even though he raised us. Okay. Let's see if we can unpack this. First of all, your 
stepdad is not your dad. He may have raised you, but legally he's not your dad. Um, it might be possible uh, if you were raised from a very young age that you might be considered heirs of your stepdad. But if he's done a trust and he's leaving everything to your half-brother, presumably the half-brother is um, the child of your mother and your stepdad, that would probably then be your half-brother. Half-brother is probably younger than you and your sister, maybe even significantly younger than you and your sister. If uh, if your half-brother is the result of a second marriage for your mother and maybe even a, um, another marriage for your stepdad. But there's no requirement that the stepfather uh, name you in the trust or include you as a beneficiary, anything like that. Um, that's just kind of the rule. I, I, I tell people that if you have stepchildren and you want them treated uh, as your children, then we make sure that we spell out in your estate plan the the identity of those stepchildren, uh, that they are your spouse's children, but that you wish to have them treated in all respects as if they were your natural children. It's what I call adoption by will or adoption by trust. Uh, you may not have been able to legally adopt them because their other parent would not consent to it. Or they may be uh, adults. They may have been adults already when you got married and they are still your stepchildren, but uh, you get along really well with them and and they call you dad or they call you mom and they've taken care of you and, and they're just wonderful kids and they're wonderful to you and you love them and you're wonderful to them. Well, you can always include them in your estate plan and have them treated uh, on the same level as your own natural children. Or if you don't have any children, you can have them treated as your children through your estate plan. So that's, and that's an important point. Without planning, without any estate plan in place, it is not unusual for stepchildren to end up with nothing at all if their parent passes away and then everything passes to the step-parent who then leaves everything to their own children or does no planning at all and everything passes um, to their side of the family. Um, it it might be possible that some of it comes back to the stepchildren, but that's not a guarantee. And, and, and I say that uh, you don't want to roll the dice on something like that and just hope uh, that you don't roll uh, snake eyes or boxcars. Um, yes, that's a that's a a, a, a crap shooting reference right there. I don't play it myself, but um, I know it's something my dad did years ago um, in Vegas. I was there once with my 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 parents, and I remember that's something that my dad played, and I thought it was. Kind of interesting that uh, he did that. I guess he seemed to like uh, like the sensation of watching the dice come out and then see how they land. Okay, 
out of San Diego, California. Family home is in trusting California. If my parents pass away, I would actually say when your parents pass away, what happens to their unpaid debts? Can creditors file a lien against their home to go after the estate of my parents? Yes. When you die, with very rare exceptions that have mostly to do with uh, with maybe a government program that says if the person dies, there's no money owed anymore. Uh, for example, like Medi-Cal, um, if you get Medi-Cal benefits, you pass away. Uh, depending on how you've ordered your fares, it may be that there is no requirement that the money be repaid to the state. But in a case like this, yes, when when someone dies and they owe money, their assets are subject, as a general rule, to recovery by any creditors they have. So you don't get that money or that property free of debt. You have to figure out a way to handle that debt, whether it's to get a loan to pay off the debt or sell the property in order to raise the money to pay off the parent's debt. Um, even someone receiving a bank account as a pay-on-death bank account um, they say, okay, well, this money's mine. Well, if there was a debt owed by the person who had the account and that debt's not taken care of and the creditor finds out where that money went, they can follow the money and they can file suit against you to recover the money that you received because it's not free and clear until all debts are paid. So that's kind of, I think that kind of surprises people and I... I don't really see it happen. Um, I haven't seen it happen in my practice, but I know theoretically it is possible. Certainly it's legally possible whether or not someone actually, um, whether a creditor actually pursues that or not, that's up to the creditor. But I want to tell you that that is literally something that could happen. Okay. All right, Garden Grove, California, right next door to Anaheim, home of Disneyland, home of Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and Donald and Daisy Duck and Goofy and all of the Disney crowd. Person says, my sister transferred my dad's house to herself a month before he died. Let's put a pause right there. You cannot transfer somebody's property to yourself. I think what the person means is that the sister drew up a deed and had dad sign the deed and had it notarized and then recorded the deed and then a month later dad died. Well, that's suspicious right there on the surface of it. Um, that Just that information right there doesn't really pass the smell test for me. Um so this person says, I want to get rid of the deed that gave her the property. I think she committed elder abuse against my dad by taking his house. Could very well be the case. Uh, if the father was a senior, uh, he might have had diminished mental capacity. Uh, he might have been induced. Um, the sister may have said, either give me the property or I'll stop taking care of you, dad. All kinds of stuff. Yeah, believe it or not. Uh, family members actually pull garbage like that and uh, 
and put pressure on people to do things they wouldn't ordinarily do. So this person's going to have an uphill climb. They're going to have to, um, if they suspect that there was elder financial abuse, then they need to go to the district attorney there in in, uh, Orange County and file a complaint and present whatever evidence they have of that and then let uh, start with the district attorney investigating the claim, investigating the circumstances around the transfer of the property. Um, if they suspect that there was undue influence, the second thing to do would be to perhaps file a lawsuit in Orange County to overturn the transfer. Part of that would include filing what's called a Liz Pendens or Notice of Pending Action with the recorder against the property so that the property cannot be refinanced, sold, or anything else without that Liz Pendens being removed. It's a way to give notice to the world that there's litigation involving the title to that house, and therefore you're not going to be able to get a loan on it. You're not going to be able to uh, to sell it. And, uh, and if you just try to transfer it, it's going to be transferred to any new owner subject to that Liz Pendens. Uh, and, and so it, it kind of sticks there like a leech until it's dealt with uh, either by being removed by the person that filed it or by the court deciding that um, that they were wrong and entering judgment against the person that sued and then that can be that judgment can be filed uh, and lift the Liz pendants from the property so that's um, that's all I'm going to say about that Okay, I got a, I have a few more here, and I see that I have about a minute left in this third segment. So I'm not going to start a uh, a new one at this time. Instead, um, I I want to I want to just let everybody know out there that estate planning is extremely important. Uh, I mean, I have people coming in all the time now, and, and we're doing administrations of trust estates. I'm doing a lot of probate administration, which I'm not particularly fond of. But it becomes necessary if someone dies and they didn't actually have any kind of estate plan in place or all they had was a will. So I encourage you, consider booking a call with me. Go to lawbob.com, click on the button to book a call. And you can consult with me, no charge, and we can talk about how I might be able to help you and your family. So I'll talk with you on the other side of the break and take it home for today. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. And welcome back. So I have a few more questions and comments from around the state of California to cover today before we call it a break and head into this weekend coming up. Out of Los Angeles. Person says, my sister died in California and my former sister-in-law says she's the trustee and my sister did not want me to have any of her $5 million estate. 
She will not provide me with any documentation. I'm the only surviving beneficiary. What should I do? By that, I think what the person means is, I am my sister's only heir. Um, so kind of putting this together, it sounds like what's being said is the sister died, had a trust, named her, her former, uh, named her sister-in-law as the trustee. And that person is claiming that the natural sister of the one that died uh, is was not to have any of the deceased sister's estate. Well, uh, I would say you need to run, don't walk, to an estate planning attorney to immediately uh, get a demand letter off to the sister-in-law uh, as the, uh, sounds like, as really the heir of the sister that died, the heir under the law, and uh, and demand more information than that. I mean, if she is, in fact, not a named beneficiary, then she really doesn't have any rights of any kind unless her sister was unduly influenced in some way, which is always a possibility, uh, which means that um, what that would mean is really uh, they need to kind of look and say, um, what were the circumstances that led to the sister actually doing this, uh, actually um, a- actually setting up a trust and deciding not to leave anything to her own sister. It sounds like there's no surviving spouse. It sounds like there's no children of that marriage. And um, so that kind of raises a big question right there. I'm not really sure just from, uh, from what's in there whether or not... Um, whether or not there really is um, any kind of a claim there. But I think it's certainly worth uh, at least pursuing to a certain extent because it's kind of unusual for someone to just completely disinherit their own flesh and blood without there being a really good reason. Okay. Here's a question out of Apple Valley, California. It says, should I leave money in my mom's trust at a bank and appoint myself sole trustee or would I be better off taking the money out? The trust officer says I should leave the money where it is to protect it from creditors. I am debt free and have a million dollar umbrella insurance policy. Okay, there's there's a lot of things missing in here. Things I would ask is, okay, so your mother died, correct? Yes, that's correct. She left her property in trust. Was it left in trust for your benefit, for your lifetime? Or was it left, just left to you? If it was the former then you'd want to keep it in accounts owned by the trust, the resulting trust, meaning the trust that um, now exists because your mother passed away, that is a lifetime trust for you. You'd want to keep it there because that's going to provide you with some asset protection 
from your own creditors. Um, but that that doesn't really answer the the underlying question, which is, uh, are you entitled to actually receive the property right away, or is it held in trust for you by the terms of your mother's trust? If if it's the former, you're not going to be able to protect it from creditors. It's yours. You own it. And that's the way it is. If it's the latter, then uh, you probably do want to keep it inside uh, that bank or an account that's owned by the trust because it's actually not your mother's trust anymore. It's now going to be a trust set up for your benefit. And that's that's a different uh, a different animal, shall we say. So um, that's what I would tell this person about that and that they they need to do that and uh, they need to make sure that they keep it in a safe place if that's the way the mother set it up was so that it would in fact be safe okay well we're coming up on the end of our show today we got about a minute to go i want to thank you for joining me here this afternoon for this installment of plan your estate radio uh, i want to encourage you uh, if you have a situation where you need to do estate planning, contact me at lawbob.com. Click on the book a call button. You can book a call with me. If you have a situation where you're trying to get assets into a trust after someone died because they were not in the trust, that would be a Hegstat petition. Contact me at lawbob.com. Click on the button to book a call. Select Hegstat petition from the drop-down menu. So until next week, this is attorney Bob Bergman. I want you to have a great weekend, and goodbye, Bay Area. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose. 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.